On this episode of the Investment Opportunity Podcast, we ask the question, is it possible to do deals during COVID? Welcome to the Investment Opportunity Podcast. We'll educate you on the latest investment trends happening in one of the hottest real estate classes, skilled nursing and seniors housing. We'll point out the risks so you can reap the rewards of investing in this growing and complex industry. And now your hosts, Ben Boland and Brandon Boland. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. This is the Investment Opportunity Podcast presented by Senwell Senior Investment Advisors, a mergers and acquisitions firm focused on senior care and seniors housing. Joining us today on the show is Steve Levin and Josh Kocek. Steve Levin is the co-president and Josh Kocek is the chief investment officer at HANA 2.0 Property Group. The property group acquires and Triple Net leases high-quality skilled nursing facilities and senior living communities throughout the U.S. Steve and Josh, thanks for joining us. Thank thanks you so much for having us. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take it. By the way, um, if you're listening to this, uh, we sound exactly alike. So, But if you're watching us, it's a little bit easier. Fortunately for Josh and Steve, they look nothing alike. They look um, uh, eerily dissimilar to each other but we we uh apologize ahead of time for that you guys probably have no idea which one is which do you? i i did i wrote it down when you talked to somebody off camera okay okay <laughs> otherwise i would not have oh by the way i'm ben bolin i don't think we introduced ourselves yeah. i'm ben bolin this is brandon bolin okay Gosh. hey guys um why don't you tell us a little bit more about your roles at HANA 2.0 and what HANA 2.0 is getting into these days? I know that you're a newer group and you guys have loads of experience from history. And uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. Um, again, thank you for having us. Um, and although it's a new group, HANA 2.0 property group, uh, we are a group of seasoned industry uh, you know, veterans with uh, you know probably collective of the executive team over a hundred years of experience in the uh, senior housing from uh, skilled nursing seen uh, you know in independent living and memory care um, I Steve Levin and the uh, co-president along with uh, Jeff Marshall and uh, Josh is our chief investment officer and Sam Kovitz is our general counsel um, you know we saw a great opportunity and uh, sort of bringing back what we've done over the years is really sort of operator uh, driven, you know, focused on relationships uh, along with uh, key markets in quality real estate. And, and so we saw a void in the industry. Uh, we want to uh, collect our, obviously, our individual experiences. Uh, we have a long history of working together. Um, and since, since March, we've acquired 14 properties. We are seeking predominantly skilled nursing, but we'll also look at uh, senior housing as it uh, relates to uh, assisted living, memory care, and, uh, and some independent. So, um, you know, we have uh, properties now in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida. Um, you know, Josh can talk a little bit about our investments. Uh, I think we have a very robust pipeline uh, given the uh, COVID and current climate conditions, but, uh, you know, we see a great opportunity and uh, things look uh, great for us. Thanks for that intro, guys. Hey, could, Josh, maybe you could speak to this a little bit more too. Are you guys pre predominantly investing in existing assets, new construction? Are you doing any new development projects or was that the goal? And maybe are you thinking about 
that mix a little bit differently going forward? Sure, I, I can touch base on that. Uh, so to date, the investments we've made have been uh, acquisitions of existing operating uh, properties, um, but we continue to believe that a diversified portfolio, both of skilled and non-skilled assets, existing and new construction make the most sense for us. And so Steve can talk a little more extensively about our efforts on the new construction side, um, but we're absolutely pursuing opportunities on the, the new construction, either replacement of old, functionally obsolete buildings in good markets, or conversely, where beds may become available or where there's an attractive AL market where we can work hand in hand with uh, some development partners and with an operator to, to deliver new product. But Steve, maybe talk a little bit more in detail about that point. Yeah, you know, um, obviously my, back, my, my background is in, uh, in, in real estate construction and design. And, um, you know, Hana and working with uh, Central Advisors, we've had a couple of opportunities of looking at purchasing beds and doing, uh, you know, new construction. So we have that in-house expertise. We have a real estate team and a, and a group uh, under the uh, HANA umbrella. So we're, we're able to actually look and, uh, you know, develop, um, again, with, with operator relationships in key markets. But we do see that as a, you know, a, certainly a, an opportunity. And we have the ability, and and I think, as Josh said, you know, to have a diversified portfolio along with existing assets, um, um, new construction, especially what's going on today. I do think there will be uh, lots of opportunity in regards to building additions or you know renovating existing facilities to create more private areas where it's private rooms, private bathrooms to isolate uh, a residence due to the uh, I think heightened awareness. Of, uh, of the COVID virus and, and what comes down the road in the future. Yeah. So, so you guys obviously had a strategy going into this and with the pandemic, I mean, I think things have completely shifted over the last few months. Has your strategy changed a, and then B, I mean, are, are you, are you still looking at the same deals as what you were looking at before? Have you changed the, the mindset moving forward? And are, are you envisioning this being an opportunistic market rather than sitting on the sidelines and putting things on pause? So I would say in, in response to that, um, while acknowledging the market is dynamic and changed meaningfully over the last few months, we've continued to actively invest through the, the shift in the, in the, in the market. Uh, we've closed uh, a portfolio at the beginning of March another one in April, a one-off asset in May, and then we have another asset uh, slated for uh, later this month or early July. So we, we continue to invest and look for opportunities in the market. I, I know there's been a shift in, in terms of uh, when we initially launched the platform, times were different and there was a lot of competition. We've seen a, a pullback from a number of firms for various reasons, whether it's capital market issues or accessibility of debt or other uh, more wait and see cautious approach. But uh, we feel given our expertise and uh, ability to really dig in and understand local dynamic and operator relationships and, and, and things like that, that uh, we're working with people that will not only uh, bear kind of the, the burden of the existing market dynamics, but uh, come out much more successful on, on the other end. So 
um, we don't make light of obviously what's going on in the environment and, uh, you know, wouldn't want to say we're taking advantage of a, of a situation, but we look to be opportunistic with uh, maybe a little bit lesser competition and uh, we're find, finding some nice opportunities. So, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're still aggressively looking to grow the platform. So uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that. So you did mention capital markets. Could we maybe touch a little bit more on that? There was an article that came out recently that talked about um, how expensive debt is actually getting uh, some historic levels that we just haven't seen in decades in our industry that these REITs are tying up debt for. And so could you talk a little bit about any challenges that you're seeing in the current environment, both on the debt and on the, the equity raise side of things? Sure. So on, on the debt side, it's, uh, we're, we're living this real time as, as we're looking to pair kind of mortgage financing with the acquisitions that we've both uh, completed and are looking to complete over the next few months. And um, we've been very fortunate in that our, our banking partners have, have stuck by their commitments on anything that was committed to pre kind of March of 2020 uh, with unchanged terms, which is actually been wonderful. And, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate those relationships as we've looked kind of to, to pair debt on the future acquisitions, the, the dynamic has shifted somewhat in the marketplace in terms of um, we're seeing banks that are still, some people are on the sidelines. And I think it tends to be the banks that are having more active portfolio issues where they're more inward focused on portfolio management issues or kind of doing some workouts and things like that, which is to be expected. Um, even in those type scenarios, we don't see those lenders as completely exiting, but maybe providing unfavorable terms in terms of leverage levels or pricing of the debt. Um, but there's still plenty of regional uh, banks that have lent into the space over a long period of time that know the staying power of the industry and have lived through, you know, PPS and some other kind of market uh, changing dynamics over time that stand by the industry and continue to look to deploy capital. So um, if anything, I, I would tell you, we're not seeing unprecedented cost of debt today. We're seeing some creep in terms of lender expectations, somewhere 25 to 50 basis points are the, the most uh, real-time information I can give you on expectation. Um, they're looking for a little bit more recourse um, today than they would have been three to six months ago. Um, you could get away with probably non-recourse in most situations, whereas even on stabilized portfolios now, you're looking for some level of recourse. So those are the two biggest changes. And then um, there's been a little bit of downward pressure on um, leverage. We, we have traditionally been looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 75% loan to cost uh, financing. Um, we still think it's available. Uh, still had conversations in the last week where uh, we've been told that it's still available. Um, some, uh, some, some lenders have gone down to maybe 65, uh, but we, we think that it's a dynamic enough environment with enough providers of capital that, uh, while pricing might get a little bit more expensive in the short term, that there's still plenty of liquidity in the market. And I would imagine that a lot of those, those, um, variables are dependent on the relationship too. So for example, if you're going to do a, a sale lease back. Uh, keeping the operator in place, 
that certainly might warrant less risk versus acquiring and moving into a new operator. Is that fair to say? I, I think that's absolutely one of the things that uh, the lenders will look at. Um, traditional relationship with the executive team matters a lot too, um, in terms of HANA being a new company, but really being the core of, uh, of a very uh, longstanding um, owner in the space. Those, those relationships still carry weight, even though um, we, we were an independent company four or five years ago. Um, the, the lending relationships and, and the success that we had together have kind of, the, the, the name of the company has changed, but the relationships stay intact. And so um, if we approach people that we've heard about lending, we're getting a more wait and see approach, but people that either have lent uh, into our management team in the past or were wanting to lend into us are still uh, reacting favorably uh, to the prospect of lending to, to our team once again. Okay. So I, I kind of want to walk us through a scenario here. Um, and Steve or Josh, I'm not sure which one of you can, can help us walk through this. But let's say um, we send you guys a deal and we're now in a unique time period. Uh, you're, you're interested in the deal um, and you're ready to make an LOI or, or put out, you know, maybe we're even past that phase and we take, start to take a look a little bit more into the, the legal aspect with the purchase agreement. What are some things that you're thinking about differently as far as any kind of documentation today versus what you might have put in the paperwork, um, you know, even as recently as six months ago? So I, I would tell you there's, there's two primary points that I think we would look at now versus what we would have six months ago in terms of how we would go about negotiating that LOI or agreement. Um, the first, obviously, is, is going to be a reliance on a MAC provision such that if there's a material degradation of census or performance related to COVID-19 issues, we'd want to take a hard look at that and examine it over a period of time before we would feel comfortable uh, really moving forward. Um, and it, it, that kind of dovetails into the second point that I, I would make as to how we're thinking about uh, potential changes. We're looking for a little bit of an extended diligence period versus what we would have uh, three months ago or six months ago. Um, one, uh, just because you're just now starting to see the financial impact in March financials, which was not really a full month of impact. And then the April financials that we're seeing from operators have the, the kind of a full month of impact, but then are also being materially offset by um, the CARES Act and some other uh, things that have been uh, providing relief to the industry. So we really would like to see a couple of months of the impact as it runs through the financials to understand what labor is costing and understanding that in every market, it could be materially different, where if you're in a ma major urban market, it looks and feels a lot differently than if you're out in rural West Texas and what that impact on, on um, labor is. And then obviously everybody is facing uh, a material increase on their supplies. Um, we, we saw that spike initially in late March, early April. Um, the prices appear to be coming down for operators, but still not pre-COVID levels. So we continue to monitor and assess that situation. So we're more hyper-focused on a couple of these elements and understanding um, what the, the near-term impact it will be. We see the, the current situation as being something of a near to midterm impact with the expectation that um, as things return to normal in the country, hopefully 
that some of the census pressures that were created by, um, you know, the elective surgeries that have uh, been to the to higher Q mix buildings, the impact that they've seen on a census perspective, or a lessening of the labor impact because as unemployment creeps higher and has jumped to where we are today, historically what we've seen um, in the industry is that higher unemployment actually lends itself well to uh, the staffing of nursing homes because it's easier to retain and attract people and you're not as reliant on agency. So we see some of that um, slack in the um, kind of employment uh, stats of the country. We expect that that will provide relief on the labor expense in time. So really understanding that for a few months, but we think as we get kind of into to the summer months now when we are able to ascertain kind of the performance in June, July, August, that we'll have a real sense of where we expect operators to be able to perform over the next year or so. Steve, do you, I mean, that, I covered it, but Steve, maybe you have something that you'd like to add. No, I think you uh, covered it. I mean, if you, you know, as it relates to actually, you know, looking at the uh, the buildings themselves and and trying to understand the, uh, you know, the the uh, the real estate aspect, the physical real estate aspect. Obviously, uh, you know, it's somewhat difficult, and I don't want to give out any uh, trade secrets, but you know, as you guys mentioned, if it's a sale leaseback, you know, you have the luxury of dealing with the operators and understanding. Uh, they can all obviously give you some some input. Other than that, you know, we, we are looking at doing, a, or, you know, and we have conducted some virtual tours uh, where you actually either have the administrator or the physical plant director sort of as we guide them through certain specific, you know, questions, um, you know, we sort of walk with them virtually right through the building. And if you have a good quality operator that's always maintaining the building, there's, there's records that you can look at, whether it's life safety uh, surveys, or um, you know the, the generator and the startup and and service calls. So there's enough information that we can gather to get ourselves comfortable with the uh, the quality of the uh, of the real estate. So it's mostly in terms of the diligence phase. You can't get in here for tours, so you're mostly doing no, virtual tours at this at this point. No, but we can obviously through uh, you know virtual tours, as I said. Um, uh, where um, you know we're going to we're going to give the either the physical plant director or, or the administrator a you know a detailed sort of uh, checklist to walk through, and whether it's say taking photos or having us look at certain things uh, virtually or just you know gather the the records that are available. Uh, again, I, you know we we, we can get ourselves uh, comfortable, and if it's a sale lease back, you got a little heads up. If it's a new acquisition, you know, you have some uh, challenges to work through. And Josh, you had mentioned that you're extending that diligence phase a little bit through this pandemic. What are some other things that you're that you're really wanting to dive in and look a little bit more beyond just um, kind of third party report, reports and, and census? Is there anything else that you're looking for in, in labor and things like that? Um, do you, I guess another question is, do you do you also take a look at um, the physical plant in any way, uh, and that's beyond the operational question. Yeah. So in terms of other elements that we're looking at, we're really looking closely kind of day by day in some cases, but certainly month by month as to the rebound that uh, we expect to see okay. in, in census and QMIX. That's we're following that very closely because, um, as elective surgeries dried up in March, 
um, it went to zero in, in, in most markets in the country. It, it did have somewhat of a, a census impact, um, offset in some ways by the elimination of the three-day stay and some other things that operators are doing. But we have seen a little bit of erosion. And we're, our sense is that the bottom was hit and is starting to um, return. Um, but making sure that it can get back onto a, a particular property, can get back onto a level playing field of three to six months ago is, is, is very important. And then, uh, like we talked about, labor and really understanding um, some incentives and other things that operators have had in some cases to provide to their staff to make sure that the residents are being taken care of in, in, in a positive way and having good outcomes and things like that. Um, understanding if those incentives are going to be over a prolonged period of time or if it was kind of a one-time event to get people over the hump and now that they see that in most cases good infection control and proper levels of staffing and testing and all the things that we're hoping to see nationwide are limiting and containing the outbreaks within particular communities and if that's the case does that then trickle to relief on the staffing costs and so we're closely monitoring that too um, and then you had a second part of the question, and I, I don't remember what it was now. In more more in terms in terms of um, when you're going through diligence and the physical plant, you're somewhat limited to what you can really look at. Steve mentioned virtual tours, but yeah, you know, are you looking at? I would imagine your relationship with the appraisers and the um, the, the debt and the lenders needs to be a really good relationship for them to a allow you to do virtual tours. But is there anything else that you guys can kind of think through on the diligence phase when you're when you're looking at the physical plant, but somewhat limited with what you can do physically in person? Sure. So on the relationship question, I, I think that you do have to have a really good relationship in order to do the virtual tours and kind of the time and the effort associated with that. But we're only looking to work with people that we have good relationships with. So it, it becomes a little bit of self-selection through that process. Um, one of the avenues that we've had some success in looking at uh, investments committing and moving forward on during this time frame is to the extent you are working with somebody that may have acquired or there was a, a transaction associated with a, a particular property in the last 12 months, whether like I said, it was an acquisition or possibly a refinance. Um, and really using those third-party reports that are dated um, in the last 12 months and utilizing those in a more meaningful way than we would have in the past instead of ordering everything new. And hopefully doing some desk desktop bring downs where you can look at um, CapEx spend to address any of the property condition assessments that may, be, be, may have been identified. Um, we value things on our own. We've never been overly reliant on the appraisal to, to justify value, but it's something that's nice to have because it gives you market information and some information about the buildings. And, and then, um, like Steve said, the, the property condition assessment, we can do a lot through the virtual tours, looking at the work that's been done in those buildings over the last 12 months. And the last thing that I would add is, um, you know, while we're not actively in the buildings today, um, this is a really good time for planning of CapEx and other things that we would want to do to enhance the properties going forward. So Steve and his team have been actively looking at um, the stuff, uh, the, the portfolios that we've acquired so far, coming up with uh, plans and working closely with the operators to, to do, you know, cosmetic facelifts to exteriors, 
to improve, improve curb appeal of the buildings, to work on uh, specialty programs within in the buildings that may attract uh, a higher QMIX um, or satisfy some referral sources in the market. And um, Steve can talk about the cost of construction, but we, we've seen it come down some uh, during this time frame. So it, it's a good time to really assess what you have, assess the things that you're looking to acquire, and put plans into motion to take advantage of some price uh, price drops that have that have occurred, and, and really position the assets in a in a good way going forward. Uh, that's yeah. that, I mean, it, that's it, really good feedback. It, but uh, sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, the the other thing is that when uh, you know, we, we, like I said, you know, uh, the executive team has a considerable amount of experience, so we we understand you know the markets as they cross the entire country, and you know, based upon sort of some key metrics. Uh, whether it's uh, the age of the building, the square foot of the building, we're going to have a very good sort of understanding of that specific uh, configuration, plan configuration, uh, that gives us sort of a, you know, a, a leg up on sort of what actually occurs within the building without actually having been in the building. And, you know, sometimes, again, because of the experience, we may have seen the building. We've been in a lot of building over the, uh, you know, 35 or 40 years that we've been in the business. And. And so is that something that you guys are accounting for is maybe as you're you're underwriting these deals too, maybe increasing that CapEx reserve to accommodate the future of any potential future pandemic that may come? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Han is uh, one of our sort of uh, missions is to have, you know, excellent quality real estate. Obviously, you know, market appropriate depending on where they're located. But you know, with the understanding, I think going forward, I, I think you're going to see people, whether you know, operators maybe actually decrease their sort of total bed count uh, and to go from semis to privates. And uh, again, due to the, the requirement for isolation uh, given today's uh, you know climate and what's going to happen in, in the future. But yeah, no, we we certainly. Um, as Josh said, when we go through the buildings, we want to make sure that we have a the right reserve in order to upgrade the buildings and enhance them to provide uh, quality real estate to meet the uh, needs of the market. That's helpful. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's where the the industry was starting to go. Um, it was making that the trend towards all private, but this is really it, it could expedite that process. Right um, now, in terms of uh, the the actual market, where do you see the cap rates going, and or, or are you more focused on IRR? So as, as long-term holders of the assets, we tend not to focus on IRR as much as people that may trade in and out of these things. Once we buy something, we, we endeavor to own it for its useful life. And then if it's in a good market, we, we will take those beds and we'll build a new building in the market with it. So we really view this as a forever hold in, in, in the things that we do. So we're, we're more focused on cap rate in, in terms of our evaluation than, than we are IRR. Um, so I, I would tell you there, there's the expectation and then there's the reality. The, the expectation is if debt is increasing in cost, the, the cap rates of the asset should, should follow that lead, correct? So as we've seen, debt is going up 25 to 50 basis points in some case. It would stand to reason that you should expect a similar um, reaction on the, the purchase of the buildings. Um, to date, we have not seen uh, sellers giving discounts um, and we've seen market values stay relatively stable on the things that are either in process or that are coming to market. Now, with performance dips that may occur March through, through June of this year, 
are you resetting the cap off of that performance? Or are you looking at a historical basis? Or are you looking at a pro forma basis? That's really the million dollar question in, in terms of valuation and cap rates. So I, I think you'll see some discount to fully stabilized value, not necessarily being driven by a change in cap rates, but more driven by any kind of performance related issues that come out of the, the early period of uh, the, the pandemic. Um, we think it will be rectified. And that's why we think right now is a, a, is a really good buying opportunity um, to the extent that you're able to capitalize on that dip in value, but not necessarily a change in cap rate, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're just saying it's not necessarily a cost of capital issue. It's more directly in line with the operational, uh, the operations within the facility. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, Senwell sells a lot of properties and you guys work closely with sellers. I, I, I haven't seen many fire sales come to the market. Um, I think that's there, safe to say as of today, correct? Yeah. So could it be the case going forward, perhaps, if people have difficulty refinancing, if the pandemic uh, affects performance longer than anticipated, or some of these things could, could change that dynamic. But I, I think people generally see this as a, a, a short duration in terms of impact and don't necessarily want to sell at a discount uh, just given that it should be, it should hopefully uh, be uh, relatively short duration of impact. Okay. Well, S Steve and Josh, thank you so much for for joining us today. I I think this was all extremely valuable information. Um, what's what's the best way that someone can get in touch with Hana Two Point Yeah, I think the best way is uh, we have a website. It's uh, Hana H A N A the number two P G dot com. Uh, we have, um, you know, all of our information is there, phone numbers, contact, a little bit about the company and a statement from our, our CEO, Craig uh, Burnfield, and uh, that's probably the best way. You know, obviously, we're, we're not in the office as yet, but uh, hopefully uh, things will turn around. We'll be back in our office in Chicago at 1 uh, North Wacker. Uh, and uh, other than that, you will have our contact information, phone numbers on the website, and that's uh, a great spot to get a uh, familiar with uh, who we are. We'll, we'll be sure to add that um, link to the website in our show notes as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, thanks for, for being joining. on the show. Appreciate thanks, it, guys. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You too. Welcome to the What You Got segment of the show. This is Ben Boland. What is this segment, you ask? I'll tell you what it is. Um, here at Sunwell Senior Investment Advisors, we, we are always getting the same question anytime that we have a conversation with anybody out in the, in the market and that is what you got so we want to bring this uh, platform to the forefront and and basically promote any opportunities that we do have available so that anybody listening can maybe take advantage of that and hopefully find value in it so with this particular first what you got segment um, I want to showcase just a, an extremely unique opportunity in the greenhouse project model. Have you guys heard of this? This is some model that I think was ahead of its time given what's currently going on in, in today's environment with COVID. So Dr. Bill Thomas was the one that came up with this idea back in the early 2000s. And the first greenhouse was built in 2003 in Tupelo, Mississippi. So what this is, it, it's really taking the, the, the institutional model and moving it to a small house setting 
um, whether that's skilled or assisted living. But it it's really um, unique in that, every, well, first of all, everybody has their own private individual room, individual bathroom, which isn't that unique. But if you're actually looking at these houses, if you're driving by, if you're walking by, you can't tell this greenhouse home from any other home. The only difference is maybe it's a little bit bigger because these are typically 10 to 12 different residents and patients that are that are in these homes max and uh, you know you come outside of your own room and there's a there's a full kitchen there's family room there's a dining room and everybody plays their part some of them even do chores and they they help with the dishes and the laundry and all that it really just gives them a sense of community and it makes them feel like they're they're still a part of something and including that neighborhood so um, given that today's environment with COVID going on, if you have a family that wants to put mom or dad into a nursing home, this could be a really good opportunity because you have an option of, hey, this home has 12 people in here compared to a hundred bed facility. It might make an easier decision. So uh, this particular asset is 100% occupied as of last week and I'm, I'm recording this on June 9th. So 100% occupied and it's brand new. These these homes were built within the last year or two. So there's a community, this opportunity has a community of these homes, multiple homes of anywhere between 10 to 12 beds. This is cash flowing and it's stabilized. They did such a good job at getting this thing built, getting it filled up and now it's completely stabilized and it is a skilled nursing um, mix with high private and high Medicare. There's a little bit of Medicaid, um, but not much. Most of it is private and Medicare, and their goal is to, to be all private and Medicare. So it is in the Midwest, and I feel like it's a great opportunity given the current times, and it's cash flowing and stabilized. If you'd like to discuss this opportunity further, feel free to email me directly at ben at senwelladvisors.com. It's ben at senwelladvisors.com. Hopefully you got some value out of this and you all have a great week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Investment Opportunity Podcast. If you want to hear more about investing in the skilled nursing and seniors housing industry, head to our website at www.senwelladvisors.com slash podcast.